to the Yogi Fuel podcast, the podcast where we share the knowledge of yoga and Ayurveda mixed with modern science to help you learn and embody ancient wisdom in a practical way to optimize your health, deepen your spiritual practice, and step into your peak potential. I'm your host, Mel Singh. Welcome to the podcast. So today, wanting to go deeper into the subconscious mind and share a little bit more about the power of the subconscious mind, why we want to work with the subconscious mind, irrespective of what our goals are. Of course, I work with people who may specifically be struggling with stress, anxiety, overwhelm, super tired, but this goes for you irrespective of, of, of what your goals are, because as we're going to see, the subconscious mind is very powerful and it can either work for us or it can work against us. And so we want to learn how to harness the power of the subconscious mind to move us in the direction of our goals, not to keep us in a you know self-sabotage spiral or you know continuing on in these patterns you know that are getting us to where we are now. Because the results that we have in our life right now are a result of you know our subconscious programming right? We can't get new results without new, of course, actions, but also without um, shifting the beliefs that we have about ourselves. Because as we're going to see, I feel like I'm already getting into it, but as we're going to see in this episode, the subconscious mind really, really does um, affect us. And so if we want to you know, step out of this like anxiety, you know, spiral, this stress spiral, this, you know, exhaustion spiral, or what I like to call the sad cycle, we, we also need to be addressing our subconscious mind and working with those subconscious beliefs. And part of the reason why I think this is so important and, and you know, what I've learned in the various courses, trainings, and, you know, things that, that I've done is one of the sayings is the conscious mind is the goal setter and the subconscious mind is the goal getter. And that actually 90%, maybe more, of our actions and the things that we do in reality are as a result of our subconscious mind and of our subconscious programming. So the subconscious mind is where all of these, and we could speak about this from like an East meets West lens, like um, psychologically, this is where our limiting beliefs, like our core beliefs about ourselves, these core, you know, identities, you know, that we have subscribed to, that's where they, that's where they live. Right. And from a yogic perspective, we might say that the subconscious mind, which is vast, and you know, yogically, there's like different levels of the mind. The chitta can be broken down into different things. We're not going to get into that. That might be too overwhelming. But we can loosely say that the subconscious mind is where our samskaras, our vasanas, these, you know, samskaras we might think of as like subtle energetic neural patterns, right? These, you know, these ways of being, these beliefs about ourselves, these habits that have just been accumulated in our subconscious mind. And the same way it's described in yoga that, you know, a river, why does a river flow in the direction that it flows? Because over time, water flowed through that one path over and over and over again, right? And it carved out a little riverbed and now the water will flow through the part of the earth that's been carved to allow it to move through. And this is what happens with our actions. We repeat certain actions, certain, you know, beliefs, certain, you know, mental programming over and over and over again. And the water, our energy, our prana flows through those channels because it's just easier. We will always, we learn this. It's so interesting as I say this, like when I was uh, in kinesiology learning about, you know, the physical body, we learned that the body will always take the path of least resistance. So if I told you to go pick up a super heavy weight, you know, in personal training, there's obviously like a correct form. The body will get it done. The body will lift that heavy weight 
using the path of least resistance. So if we have any physiological, you know, imbalances, the body doesn't care, the body's going to get it done. And the mind is the same. The mind is going to flow through the path of least resistance. And it almost always reverts back to these, these patterns, these samskaras, these pathways that have been laid down over and over and over. And so if we want to take a new path, if we decide, oh my goodness, if we take a look, we take stock of our reality, right? And we're like, whoa, this reality is not serving me. Like, I don't want to be in this, you know, feel free as you're listening to this to think about, you know, what your current reality is, what, what your current, I could say like results are in your life. Are you feeling super fucking tired? Are you feeling super anxious, super stressed, super overwhelmed? Do you find yourself, I used to joke about this like early in motherhood, I would be like, why does my life feel like a constant stream of like, fuck, you know, (laughs) if you're a mom and you're listening, you know what I mean? Like you just feel like, ugh. if your life feels that way, I want to let you know that it does not have to feel that way, right? (laughs) You, you get to choose a different reality, but if you're not, if you have a business and you want to grow your business and you want to attract more of your, you know, clients or whatever it is, and you're not getting the results that you want, we need to be looking at those patterns and those pathways and those those beliefs that we have about ourselves. We need to look at the subconscious mind because like I said, 90% of our actions, 90% of what we have in this reality, this physical reality is as a result of our subconscious mind. So the sort of first thing to identify, and we're going to go actually to toward the end of three actionable steps, but just kind of take stock of like, am I in my life where I want to be? In, in any area, in your career, in your relationship, in your you know health and wellness journey, like are you where you want to be? And if the answer is no, and if you're someone who has perhaps tried lots of things and you find yourself in that cycle of like, I'll do the thing for a little bit and then I fall off, fall off the wagon. I'm using air quotes if you're listening to the podcast. You can't see, but air quotes, if you've fallen off the wagon, chances are it's something to do with your subconscious mind. And it may be a, you know, just a result of mental programming that doesn't serve the highest, best, most, you know, vibrant version of you. That's all it is. Nothing to do with you as a human being or an individual. It's not that you're not good enough. It's that you've got mental programming that's just stopping you. It's it's like as, I say it's as simple as that. It is as simple as that, but it's not easy. And we need not conflate what I've learned in in the wellness world, in, you know, the like life, you know, coaching goal setting world is it's so simple, but it's really hard. So the things that are actually going to get us results in our health, the things that are going to get us results in our business are really fucking simple, but they're also really hard (laughs) because we have this human quality that complicates things. We have these limiting beliefs. We have these questionings. We have this, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not worthy. Like we have all of this stuff that's going on and to change, right? If you were going to get, let's use the analogy of water again, if you were going to try and change the route that water takes through a river, it's, it is work. It is work. It's simple to say, well, you just carve a new path for it. That's all. That's so simple. But to actually carve that new path is hard to actually carve those new neural networks in your brain, to actually lay down and, and cultivate new katamas, new samskaras, like new actions in your brain and in your mind, as simple as it sounds, is challenging. It's work, okay? Uh, but I'm gonna try and make it really simple for you today. So um, in talking about that, I wanna go back to, there is, oh my God, and now I can't even think of who has created this. If anyone knows the name of the person who created this, there's this thing called the logical levels of change, okay? And when we go into, you know, behavior change, I've studied this extensively in university. And I remember thinking to myself, like, you know, we studied, um, 
I studied kinesiology. And so we looked a lot at, at exercise and it's very simple what you need to do. Just move for 30 minutes a day. It's actually so basic. Move your body for 30 minutes a day, but getting people to actually do that as simple as it sounds is very hard. And I remember thinking, how do we bridge the gap for people? How do we bridge the gap between knowing this? There's research, there's evidence, evidence that says that this is, is going to help you to live longer, live healthier, like reduce your risk for cardiovascular disease, you know, reduce stress, reduce anxiety, improve energy. Like we have all this evidence, but how do we bridge the gap between the knowing and the doing, even when the doing seems really simple. So we look to this thing called the logical levels of change. Okay. And at the base of that pyramid, which I don't think should be the base, but anyway, is behavior change. Ultimately what we need to do, we need to take actions in reality. We do need to change our actual behaviors. Like if you, you know, if I say that walking for 30 minutes a day is what you need to do, you actually do need to walk for 30 minutes a day. You can't just like think about walking for 30 minutes a day. You have to actually take the action. But what is the thing that's going to um, get you to that action? What is the thing that's going to inspire that action to be taken? What's the thing that's going to actually get you to take the action? Okay. And what's at the very top of the logical levels of change model is our beliefs and our identity. Who we are, who we think we are, the beliefs we have about ourselves, the beliefs that we hold are going to directly affect the actions that we take in our lives. And so, yes, we have to take the actions. That's a piece of the puzzle. But if we don't change those beliefs we have, if we don't change on some level, the identity we hold, right? Who we take ourselves to be, how we see ourselves, we are going to struggle and struggle and struggle to actually make changes within our lives. So if you don't think that you are like worthy, if you have a deep subconscious belief that you're not worthy, you're not good enough, that you're lazy, <laughs> that you're irresponsible, that you're inconsistent, you're going to continue to show up that way. You're going to continue to show up as inconsistent. You're going to continue to show up as unhealthy. You're going to continue to show up that day, you know, or sorry, as, as you're not going to continue to show up in a way that feels in alignment for you. You're going to continue to show up. The actions you take in reality are going to reflect those subtle beliefs that you have. And what's super cool about this is that Ayurveda and yoga have a, have a language to speak about this as well. And I always like to think about it, you know, from the lens of the koshas, I'm not going to get super deep into this, but I'm going to kind of touch, touch on it here. One of the things I always talk about specifically in the chaos to calm masterclass is Ayurveda and yoga. I always call them quantum wellness. Okay. Or I mean, really it's like the ancient way of looking at quantum physics, because we say that everything manifests from subtle to gross. Okay, if we look at the Pancha Mahabhutas, the five great elements of ether, air, fire, water, and earth, Ayurvedic philosophy, yogic philosophy says that we manifest from that uh, uh, ether densifies into air, densifies into fire, densifies into water, densifies into earth. That earth contains with it all the elements that have just densified into itself. Ayurveda acknowledges everything manifests from subtle to gross. So when we think about it like this, it's like the most subtle, etheric, energetic, mental thought actually manifests into reality. And this is what we're seeing here with logical levels of change, that our thoughts, our, and the way we think about ourselves, the way we speak to ourselves, they manifest into our reality, into the actions that we take, right? Um, so maybe I won't get into the koshas because I feel like that actually kind of explained it. But when we look at the, at the, the koshas, Ayurveda says that we're not just a physical body, right? Yoga and Ayurveda know this. We're not just a physical body or annamaya kosha. We're the integration of a physical body with subtler layers that also constitute who, who we are in this world. We also have a pranamaya kosha, an energetic body. 
We have a manomaya kosha, a mind, a mental body. We have a vijnanamaya kosha, which is the, the knowledge or like the wisdom sheath. And then we have an anandamaya kosha, this bliss sheath. And the bliss sheath, that's where those, some, from a yogic perspective, is where those samskaras are held. This is where our karmas are held. And so jyotish and, you know, this body of wisdom says that not only, for example, do our, do our beliefs that we hold, you know, from within this lifetime manifest into reality. Sorry, I feel like I'm making this complicated and maybe more like, oh no, but some skaras that were maybe accrued and katamas that were accrued in earlier lifetimes will also influence, you know, how we show up in this lifetime as well. So this doesn't mean that, oh shit, like, <laughs> damn it, these past life karmas, they're here and I'm doomed. Like, no, how am I going to, you know, how am I supposed to navigate like the mental stuff from this lifetime and the mental stuff from the past lifetimes? This is all going to show up as like dominant core, like limiting beliefs, like ultimately, right? These are all going to show up. Like if you are attuned and you are self-reflective, you're going to see these things show up. You're going to see yourself not taking action on things because you don't feel worthy. You're going to see that it's going to come up. It's going to come up. It's going to come up. Especially if you're into Jyotish, <laughs> if you're in a Saturn period, it will show up over and over and over again. And this is a good thing because it's showing us, it's showing us what we need to work on. It's showing us those limiting beliefs, those samskaras, all of those things that we need to work through. Okay. So all of this to say, like, we need to just be and, and be in the practice of and where yoga and Ayurveda and mindfulness are such powerful practices is they show us the subconscious work that we have to do. A bird just flew onto my balcony and I always am surprised. How do they get in here? It's like netted up. Okay. <laughs> anyway, right? So these practices, these wisdom practices, these self-reflective practices are so, so, so important because they are going to show us what it is that we need to work on. It's not like a big mystery, even though it seems mysterious, like, ooh, what are my past life samskaras? They gonna show up, okay? If you are meant to work through them in this lifetime, they are gonna show up. They're gonna show up as limiting beliefs. They're gonna show up as like your insecurities. They're gonna show up as like the consistent mental, mental chatter that, that you have in your head. You know, they might show up in the form of other people. Like, what are the things that you just get really mad? Oh, that person did that thing. Like, what, tr what triggers you? It's gonna show up as your triggers, right? It will show, they will reveal itself to you, okay? And... You know, some of these limiting beliefs, some of these subconscious, you know, things are going to, are potentially going to hold you back. Um, and before I go into that, I want to give you a really, really clear example because I explained this to Vikram one day and he just thought it was like genius <laughs> when we talk about this idea of identity and how identity, you know, we, so we talk about the beliefs we hold about ourselves, identity, and how rooting into that identity is actually going to support you in achieving the things that you desire and, and, and taking the steps in reality that, that you desire. So I was explaining this to him one day and he was like, I don't know if that's super true. You know, it just seems so easy. And I said, okay, Vikram, riddle me this. I said, you identify as a vegan, right? He's like, yeah. I said, do you find it hard to be vegan? Because that's a big question, right? Like people are always like, do you think it's, does, is it hard? And you're just like, no, actually it just feels easy. You know, anyone who's here who's listening to this, who might be like a vegan who identifies as vegan, it's actually easy when you're like, I'm vegan. It's just like, that's who I am. Like, I just do the vegan things, right? I said, so when you go to a restaurant, like, what do you eat? And he's like, I just, I eat whatever's vegan there. I said, oh, okay. So because you are a vegan, who you are is I am Vikram, I am vegan. The actions that you take are effortless because who you are is a vegan. So obviously as a vegan, you're just gonna choose the vegan options. It's that simple. It's not complicated. He's not like, uh, uh. he knows what the rules are of being vegan. He chooses the things that are in alignment with that and it's effortless because of his identity, because he believes, his belief is I'm a vegan. 
he, there's also like, I mean, we could go deeper. There's like an emotional like attachment. He's rooted in his why, animal cruelty, sustainability, whatever. But at the core of that is a belief. I'm ve- and a belief in an identity. I'm vegan. And inside of that identity, wherever he shows up, he just eats the vegan food, whatever that means. And it's not hard. And actually, I kind of find it easier. I always joke. I'm like, if you've ever, if you're, if you're part of my my Indian audience, or if you've ever been to India, there's nothing more legit than like a fancy hotel breakfast, like the breakfast buffet. Oh my god, I live for like, I don't know, Radisson, the Marriott. Like I live for those buffet breakfasts. Ooh, I do. I'm just like, I want to go now. I'm like thinking about it. They're so good. But what's actually for someone who struggles with decision making, it's it's I'm like, thank God I'm vegan, you know, because because if I weren't, I would be so overwhelmed with choice. I, I honestly would I'd be like, oh man, so there's only like a few things that I can truly eat, but it feels actually more empowering that I have, <laughs> I have that like identity, even though it might feel constricting to some. So, anyways, um, all of that to say, I hope that this can paint the picture for you of how like your identity and, and the beliefs that you hold about yourself influence your decisions and, and, and the actions that you take, right? So let me even take it back a step. It's like if you believe that you are, hmm, let me think off the top of my head, like a really good, okay, this is a good one. And I hope this is like not a trigger warning for anyone, but if you believe, this is a, this is a big challenge. This is actually something that I dance between because I acknowledge as someone who has really struggled with anxiety, as someone who's really struggled with, you know, I would say a, a certain level of depression, it's very real. Those feelings are real. They are valid. If you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with stress, if you struggle with depression, those things are real, right? They affect you. You have this huge level of sadness. You have this huge level of emotions. And it's a slippery slope when we begin to identify with our diagnosis. I am anxious. I I am I have this anxiety like I I am someone who has this anxiety like it is me I am anxious like we do, we take it on like an identity when we identify with the diagnosis it can be a slippery slope right and when we shift maybe to and man I could just like go off and talk about belief bridging but what if we just like sort of shifted that to I am not anxious I am you know this infinite being and I'm experiencing anxiety our language is really important because the subconscious mind, when it hears, I am this, I am that, I am this, I am that, it takes that to be our identity. And so inside of being, I am anxious, we might show up in certain situations with more anxiety, right? We, we might just r- rule ourselves out of being able to be, you know, affected by positive treatments because we are just so rooted in that identity. Or if you're like, I'm fat, I'm fat. How does that person show up in your life? I, when I was a younger kid, I was like chubby. I was like, I'm fat. And I could not for the life of me change my habits. I was like, I'm fat. I love, you know, like the, the lang- the internal dialogue and, and language I had with myself was very negative and I couldn't break out of that. But when I started to shift my, okay, now I'm going into this. I wasn't going to go into it, but I am. <laughs> okay. So the subconscious mind, and this is really interesting if you're a parent too, it doesn't hear negatives right? And so often we're focused on trying to get rid of something and our subconscious mind only sees that. So like when I was a kid, for example, and I was like, I'm, I'm a fat kid. I want to stop eating so much junk food. The subconscious mind hears eating junk food. 
That's what it's focused on. It's focused on I'm fat, eat junk food, right? That's what it hears. It doesn't hear negative. So for example, when you're talking to your kid and you say, don't touch that, what are they thinking about? They're thinking about touching that thing that you just told them not to touch. If I said, don't think about the uh, blue dragon in my room, you probably have a mental image of the blue dragon in my room. <laughs> There's not a blue dragon in my room. I'm like, why did I think of that? <laughs> Random. But you know what I mean? You think about when I say don't and then the thing, you think about that thing, okay? So we need to be so intentional with our mind and we want to be ideally like results focused, desire focused. So instead of, you know, for example, if you're, if you struggle with anxiety, instead of saying, oh, I don't want to feel anxious anymore. I want to feel more calm. I want to feel more peace. I want to feel more X, whatever it is, right? I just like whacked my elbow here. Or if you're struggling in, you know, with whatever it is, orient the mind to the desire, orient the mind to the thing that you want. We need to kind of remove, well, not remove. It's fine to notice like, I don't want this, but when you catch it, now that I've made you aware of it, now that it's in your conscious and your subconscious, um, you're going to be aware of it. So just quick, quick reframe. I call it vritti catching. Catch the vritti that's like, I don't want to feel so sad. And maybe you reframe it to, you know what? I want to feel more at peace, right? Little, 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 little trick there. So anyways, I hope that that was helpful. I kind of went on a little tangent there, but I felt that I needed to. And um, I hope that that gives you a good idea of the subconscious mind. It is vast. It is powerful. As I said, it's responsible for 90% of our actions. And so we want to be really intentional with what we're feeding our subconscious mind. We want to be really you know, aware of these limiting beliefs, these triggers, these things that come up. And we want to be like curious about them. This is something I've taken on as a practice. It's been so powerful. Whenever I feel triggered, you know what that feels like for you, something that triggers you, something that makes you upset whatever, like write it down and be like, why? Hmm. Interesting. You know, write it down, get, get, get curious about it. Um, and what I want to leave you with today is three actionable steps that you can take to start to rewrite some of that, you know, conscious and subconscious programming and help you to align with an identity that feels like it's in the trajectory of where you're going. Because if you want to achieve something big, if you want to achieve something that you don't have right now, you know, I think we've, I feel like this is a quote. I feel like we've all heard this, but like in order to get something you've never had or do something you've never done, you need to be someone you've never been. So there is a level of identity shifting that, that needs to happen. This doesn't mean we like abandon ourselves. It means that we use, you know, in this, for example, I'm going to go off on, on another tangent for like two seconds and then come back to this. I know that in the yoga world, we talk about ego, ahamkara. We talk about transcending the I formation, the um, ahamkara, the ego. It literally means the I formation, the I-ness, who I am. And yes, like ultimately we're looking to like transcend the limited ego and self and like move into like infinite, you know, consciousness. And in this embodied reality, I am Mel. I am not, you know, Susie watching this or, you know, whoever else watching this, I am me. It's important that I know who I am. And in this embodied journey, we can use the I formation. We can use this idea of who I am to create change in a positive direction, to make our life more spiritual, to make our life more in alignment with that, which is going to, you know, fulfill us. That's going to serve us. That's going to serve the world. We can be, we can use the ego versus the ego using us. Okay. And that's like what we're aiming to do with this like conscious and subconscious belief and identity change is change it and shift it consciously, intentionally in the direction that we want it to go. Right. 
before we transcend the mind, before we transcend the ego, before we transcend all of these things, we need to get them under control. Okay. And that's what we do with stuff like this. So the three actionable steps, I'm actually going to give you like a bonus step that I already talked about is like, start to just notice, like notice your triggers. That's like a hot tip. Like notice your triggers, notice those things, notice the beliefs that come up over and over and over again. They're coming up over and over and over again. And you know, because they want to be worked through. They're your karmas in this lifetime that want to be worked out and worked through. Okay. So notice those things, take note of them and and start to get clear on how, how do I want to respond to these certain things? Okay. Then, you know, in terms of like moving into, into what we desire and shifting the identity, the number one thing you can do is get clear on what is the reality that I desire, that I desire. What is the goal that I want to achieve? What is that thing that I want? Do I want to lose 10 pounds? Do I want to feel like totally fucking in love with myself? Do I want to feel more calm and grounded and energized as a mother so that I can just like show up for my kids and not lose my shit all the time? Like what is, what is the reality that you want? Really get clear on that. And it could be like a different thing. So you can do this for different like goals and realities or whatever, but get clear on that thing. Cause if we're not clear on what it is that we want, we can't take the steps to get there, right? We'll just feel like we're going in circles, okay? So step one, get clear. What is a reality or goal that you desire? Feel free to pause this if you want to like, hmm, what is the goal and reality I desire? Or, you know, make a note and, and do this later. Then I want you to think of who is the person who already has that thing? And you could think of like, is there someone in your life that you see who has the thing that you want? Feel free to write down the qualities that that person has. And if there's not, is there like a, is, is there someone that you know online who has the thing you want? Can you imagine if you were the person who had that thing, what are the qualities that that person has? What are the things that that person does every day? Like who is that person? What do they do? What are their actions? What are the thoughts they have? Right? Get, get clear on like what that is. Again, you can pause this or you can just, you know, make a note and do it later. And then the next thing you want to think is what is one thing, one action you can take like right now or today after you get off of this, what is one thing that you can do to move you in that direction? Right. And this is how we go. And and you can take one action. I would recommend like starting with one stupidly easy thing that you know that you can definitely do every day to move you in that direction. One thing that, um, What's the word I'm looking for that solidifies that identity a little bit, right? So let's say that you were like, I the goal I desire is I want to lose 10 pounds. Who is the person who has that thing? Jenny, who I see online, she works out every day and she has protein shakes and she eats vegetables. Like, let's say that's the person, right? And she has great self-worth. That's Jenny. <laughs> and what's one thing you can do in, to move in that direction? Do 10 jumping jacks. I don't know, that might be random, but something so small. I'm going to do 10 jumping jacks every day, every morning for the next... 21 days. And this solidifies, oh, look at me. I'm just like Jenny. I'm doing my jumping jacks, you know? <laughs> it seems so simple, but it will solidify that, that identity. And so this is really cool and interesting because we can see how we're moving from what, what is it that I want? We're thinking about, we're ideating, we're in the realm of like air and ether, you know? We're thinking about what we want and then we're bringing it down into reality and into action through the, you know, the multidimensionalness of our mind and our universe. And I think this is so funny because whenever I talk about like yoga and Ayurveda, they're multidimensional. And I talk about this concept of multidimensional, it almost seems really like, whoa, Mel, multidimensional. Like, what do you mean? Like, it seems so abstract, but it's actually as easy as we have a thought 
And then we think about that thought and then we get inspired, like tejas, you know, that, that pitta, that fire in us. We're like, yeah, I'm going to do the thing. And then we do the thing in reality. And that's multidimensional. That's literally what it is. We're moving from the air and ether, the idea through the inspiration and the pitta dosha, and we're moving into reality. That is literally multidimensional. And that is actually how every single thing in this world happens. The guy who created the TV actually might've been a lady, maybe the lady who created the TV had an idea about it, had an inspiration. The burning fire of desire was there to make it happen. And then they did it and they built this TV or whatever it is, right? That is literally how everything comes into reality. So multidimensionality does not need to be this like really woo woo concept. It's actually very, very practical. So I hope this was helpful. I kind of feel like it was. So <laughs> if it was, if you loved this, I hope you do this exercise, really take it on. If there's some goal, if there's something that you have that you want to achieve, this is so powerful. And let me know, let me know if you actually took this on. If you did this, let me know if you found it helpful, if it was inspiring. Um, and let me know if you need help kind of working through this. Share with me on, if you were listening to this, oh, I think my yeah, my live video ended, of course, but of course it did. Um, let me know if you need, or if you want to work through this at all, tag me on Instagram in your stories or in a post or something. If you're like taking this on, share with me, share with me over on Instagram. Feel free to like tag me in a story, kind of like outlining if you feel, if you feel like sharing about it. Um, tag me in your stories. Like, let me know that you're taking this on, make a post maybe on Instagram. You know, something else that's so powerful is like claiming the new identity, claiming what we desire. Like sometimes we feel this like fear. I know I felt this, like we feel fearful to claim that this is what I want. This is the reality I desire. And so sometimes when we put that out there and we have like a community of people kind of cheering for us, it can feel really supportive. It holds us accountable to like actually step into that reality and step into that identity. So if you feel good, if you feel safe, if it feels accessible for you, share with me. And if it doesn't feel accessible to share all up on, you know, like the public interwebs, feel free to like DM me on Instagram or, you know, Facebook or wherever and share with me um, a little bit more about what you're doing, the new identity you want to step into and one action that you can take. And if you're struggling to find an action, let me know. Maybe I can help you out with that. And if this work feels inspiring, like if you feel like, oh my God, I, yes, like this is what I need. This is something we go way deeper into inside Embodied Ayurveda. Um, and it's something I'm really proud of sort of incorporating into EA because when I first ran, you know, these programs, I was seeing that so many people, like this is what we struggled with, these limiting beliefs, this lack of, you know, self-worth, these identities that weren't in alignment with the version of, you know, themselves that people had envisioned when they had joined the program. And so being able to do this work with students, being able to do this work with, um, with people has been really, really, really powerful. So if you are curious, if you are keen on, you know, doing that more intimately, we have options to do EA as a group with some one-on-one -on -one support. You can go through EA. We just launched um, EA as a standalone, you know, self-study program. Um, so definitely go. I'm going to link Embodied Ayurveda here um, in the show notes so you can take a look and see if it feels in alignment. And of course, if you've got any questions on anything, just shoot me a message over on Instagram. It's probably the best place, but shoot me a message. Let me know if there's anything you need. Um, and we also have tons of great resources, free resources to get you started as well in the, um, in the show notes here in the podcast. So once again, thank you for listening. Um, thank you for joining me. I will see you guys next week and I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye.